Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cappy Productions. If you're like me and you hate the grind of finding new bands but love when you find them, I have a recommendation for you. After Dark is sponsoring today's show, and they are fantastic. So if you're anything like me, go check them out. Check out Colors is probably the first one I'll recommend. After that, my second favorite's probably Break Away. Highly recommend them. Spotify After Dark. Hello and welcome back to the Conquest of Bliss. I am here with Naomi Richards of the Morbid Forest. How Hi. are you today, Na- Naomi? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty fantastic. So as you might be able to tell, Naomi and I have already been chatting and we get along splendidly. Oh, yeah. Um, so you're good. I'm good. That's good. Uh, how? <laughs> so, so before we connected today, um, I'd asked you if you had any, you know, thoughts and, and ideas around happiness. And so where would you like to start kind of talking about happiness? Um, I say, let's like start talking about like how someone even comes to being happy and understanding that they are happy, you know, cause mm-hmm. there's like a huge difference. And that was what, like, I told you, I was like journaling about this last night. So I can really like brainstorm, um, to me what that means. And I've realized that especially like in my teens and like my twenties, like maybe stopping at like my late twenties that like happiness for me was creating it for other people. Yes. But that doesn't mean that I was happy. Absolutely not. (laughs) Like half the time I would be like, I'm sad. I'm depressed. I have no friends. I'm, you know, I went down the the rabbit hole. I used to call it my dark hole with my friends that were like closest to me. Mm -hmm. And so for years I was like, yeah, what makes me happy is to make other people happy. That is a thing. And um, and I know that's like one of those, like uh, the five love languages that you have is one of them is, you know, acts of, acts service. of service. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I realized that while I can be an acts of service person, that takes over all of me. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where like, I'm like, well, what do, what do I even like? What even makes me happy myself? <laughs> that totally makes sense. And I think that I uh, fall into that category as well, especially when I was younger, where in in lieu of discovering myself and and tending to my own garden, as they say, I uh, <clears throat> I know it's very very cool. I seem super cool now, um, but uh, instead of doing that, you know, I would I would focus a lot on how to please other people, and I'm co- of course I'm sure you came to the same conclusion that you crash. You yes. you don't have enough. You know, mm-hmm. one person isn't enough for everybody if that person's not being cared for themselves. Exactly. I feel the same exact way. It's just like you feel constantly burnt, your energy is drained, you don't have any extra to give, even though you're attempting to give more. (laughs) So uh, one question I would have is, what did that discovery process look like for you? Was it a single moment or was it sort of a gradual, slow discovery? It was a slow, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> um, it was a gradual thing because like, um, I guess so I can talk about like my past relationships. I definitely like gratified that other person, you know, and put themselves before myself. And I had to learn and start to recognize, okay, your type is not a healthy type. <laughs> and you are looking to like feel that extra spot where someone is going to make you feel overly loved and overly everything. And you therefore are doing that for them instead of them doing it for you. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, it was a slow learning process of going through those individuals. And while they helped me learn, <laughs> they weren't the best thing for me. <laughs> yeah, I know it's so cheesy, but I always, I always like try to make myself feel better by saying, if it's not a blessing, it's a lesson. And like, oh, I think of good. it as like a life hack where it's like, you know, like if I'm miserable, that's a good thing. If I'm happy, that's a good thing, uh, which I know is, is probably not, not an easy thing to adopt, adopt for everyone, but it works for me. So that's what matters. Uh, but uh, so about, uh, about that process, um, where, where did you start when you realized, oh shoot, I'm not taking care of myself. Like, how did you start to like, like, I think one of the things that a lot of people struggle with, um, including myself is knowing what's wholesome for me, what's healing for me, what kind of self-care I need, because it's usually not just expensive beauty products. So so yeah. sort of how did you start to unpack what those needs were and, and how to meet them? Um, it, it was a friend of mine who is a, good, a very good friend of mine now. Um, I worked with her and she was a student at like the time that when I was at my job, and it was, I was in between relationships. I had just broken up like with like one of the really, really bad relationships that I had. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, hey, a bunch of friends of mine are going to this music festival. You should totally come with us. And I'm like, I have no money. I'm broke. Like I officially broke. This relationship has killed me. I am like living, you know, bar- barely living <laughs> as it is. <laughs> I can afford that. And uh she was like, no, just come with me. It'll be super easy. We're all sharing a space. It's like not that bad. And I was like, okay. And it's a giant music festival that happens in Las Vegas. I don't know if a lot of your readers or listeners would know about this, but it's easy. Is it Burning Man? Oh. No, well, not Burning Man. She did invite me to that. <laughs> uh, it's EDC, the Electronic Dance Daisy Carnival. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's this like three day festival. It's all EDM, not all, always all EDM, but for the most part, it's yeah. got the lights, art installations. It's a world. It's mm-hmm. literally a tiny, not a tiny, a very large universe. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, and I, on a whim, I was like, I'm gonna spend the three hundred dollar and some change on this, and I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna nice. do it because I need to do something. And I hadn't like been away. I hadn't been like on a trip in a long time and like all of this stuff. I'm like, I want to get out of my city. (laughs) Yeah. And treat yourself. And treat myself. And it was like the best experience that I had. I still, I still go to a lot of festivals now because of that singular festival. And Mm -hmm. so went and like we all shared space I like worried about spending money but everybody in the group that I was with was like not my friends I only knew the one person but they were kind they were accommodating they understood and I barely spent anything which was fantastic so that was the one big thing that I had to like I got to take out of like I don't have to spend any that much money so I'm happier Mm -hmm. but then on top of that going to this like place this little being in a world a different world basically Mm -hmm. for three days basically made me feel like a freer person, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel like I've now gravitated to what sets your soul free. That's what makes you happy. And so that's the kind of like the embodiment I'm doing now. (laughs) I love that. I love everything about that story. And I've been to some music festivals myself and I find like, even if you're not indulging in the less legal sides of things, yeah. which I mean, I definitely did, let's be real. But even if you're not, um, <laughs> even if you're not, you're absolutely right when you say that it like transports you to a different world and, and like beyond even just the lights and the music, 
the so social expectations are entirely yes. different and you Absolutely. get to sort of sample this world where where humans are the priority instead yes. of this this you know money or or power or whatever you know all these things that that the society that we spend most of our time in faces <laughs> um, <laughs> are just non-issues and being able to experience that i can see how that would really feel freeing and and I think one of the big things and that, that it did for me, and I wonder if it did the same for you, is it really gave me hope. It gave me mm -hmm. a vision of how things can be. Yes, definitely. It, it Obviously, that friend that I mentioned, her name's Danielle, um, we are literally best, best of friends. Like She currently <laughs> doesn't live in my same city, but we always make a point to commit to each other, to make time for one another, to see each other if we're around in the same area. And it's given me some of the best friends I have in my life right now, currently. And um, I'm always like kind of like grateful for that, like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's but, wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, I know you're right. Like, you know, for the indulgence side, which I definitely, you know, dabbled in myself, but not every festival I go to, I do indulge. And I made sure to, to test that. Like, it, am I happy just because the extra things are making me happy, you know? And I went to a couple festivals and completely sober and yes it was the atmosphere it was the people it was that still freeing feeling that i was getting that i'm i can totally be myself these people accept me for being myself i am in the happiest bubble i could be in yeah and and that and that that's been my experience as well because i've also um I guess it wasn't a music festival, but a rave, which is basically a mini uh, EDM yeah. music festival. Yeah, been in um, many of those. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I was visiting one and stayed sober and found that like, it's just, it's electric, you know, yes. it's, it's, I, you don't feel more alive than you do. And, and I mean, when you think about how music works and how the chemicals in our brain work, it makes sense that like, you know, music in and of itself is basically a drug, right? Our bodies... Mm -hmm tune into the music, beat our hearts beat at the same time as the beat of the music, stuff like yes. that. Um, but like I said, for, for me, what's been so interesting in those scenarios is that for whatever reason, it's the only, and I mean, I'm sure that there are other ways to do it, but it's the only situation that I've experienced where it's just like, it's completely understood that the traditional values are, are just not there. It's just a different value system altogether. Exactly. Yeah, I, f I definitely feel that way. And I also feel like it opened up my own avenues for different things. Like I'm an extremely creative person. Like you already know that, you know, I write. Mm -hmm. And so that's like one of my creative outlets. And I didn't know that like I needed to branch out to these more outlandish like um outlets of mine so like through having like gone to a lot of festivals I like see everybody's outfits I'm like I can make that I can totally <laughs> do that somehow I found the confidence and too much time at Michael's <laughs> <laughs> oh I relate to that so hard <laughs> and uh you know a bunch of tool later I have like been creating outfits or creating them for my friends and like loving that aspect of being able to show myself on my work or like you know making hats and making other pieces of art and stuff like that so it's been like not just a music thing it's been a opening to different avenues type of thing so i have a question and nice. and it it may not be a direct answer but um okay i'm i'm curious it sounds like it opened up your world a lot do you think that it bred more curiosity or more bravery like the ability to pursue your art really really requires both of those but one can be heavier than the other and i'm wondering 
like, you know, were you now able to approach your art with like a curiosity of what the result would be? Or was it more about bravery and knowing the result could be iffy, but doing it anyways? Does that make sense? I did know that totally makes sense. I think, honestly, my answer is I think it was bravery because especially when it came to my writing, I was scared for people to read it. And I would like think that people would like think I'm weird or I'm creepy or like all the, all of the things, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that make you like shelter all your stuff and not put yourself out there. And so like, like my grandfather is like my number one supporter and he was like the number one person that read all my stuff. <laughs> I was the only person that did. Like anytime someone would be like, oh, I'm super interested. Let me read like some of your short stories. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, but uh-huh. like through that, like, act of bravery like even deciding to do like my podcast like that took a leap of like bravery to want to get out there and do something even if only five people listened like that's those Mm -hmm. those are five people that wanted to listen (laughs) yeah and found find value in in your work and and I think that's fantastic just so the audience is aware because I feel like we've sort of been over talking a little bit about what it is um is uh Naomi actually writes and and uh, promote produces that's the word yes yeah, right and go. produces a uh, a fictional horror podcast and it I mean I haven't heard all of it I've listened a little bit now yeah kind of fantastic and, uh, <laughs> and we'll be talking about it a little bit later but just so everyone knows what it is that we're referring to um so that's really cool and another thing about being a writer and um I mean a creative in general but especially a writer that was pointed out to me a while back on the podcast was the ability to explore different sides of yourself without having yes. to indulge them. Exactly. Um, and so do you want to talk a little bit about how that concept has played out for you? Because I feel like that's really cool writing horror, especially because so many of us have those like, you know, like I can follow a train of thought that could become a horror pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. Real fast. <laughs> real quick. Um, I think a lot of it. Okay. So a large part of it stems from that a, recently I've been a lot better about it is that I used to have insomnia and it used to plague me like getting three hours of sleep was like an expectant and I function and I I could function off of that and I would be fine was I the greatest person absolutely not but (laughs) I got you I got you but be and a large part of that was because even as an adult now I have extremely vivid dreams and eight out of ten of them tend to be nightmarish like definitely along the I die, so, and monster chasing you, people mm-hmm. around you are going to die. The I am flying and it's great. And dear God, there's the ground. And <laughs> <laughs> so quite a bit of that. And I think part of it was an act of like, I wouldn't call it journaling because it's still fiction of like kind of creating those scapes in my mind that I'm seeing that were starting to fascinate me like while I was dreaming like sure Mm -hmm. yeah I had a dream and some creepy shit happened and a creepy monster came out and he tried to attack me and my friends am I going to write a story about that absolutely because that sounds fascinating (laughs) well I think without probably meaning to I think that what you may have been doing as well is creating value from something that was plaguing you. I mean, you said the term plague, you you said that it, you know, it haunted you. Mm-hmm. And by taking that and taking ownership of it and making it something that's valuable to you and other people, you're you're now now it's not just shitty for nothing. 
Right. You know, yes. which is which is pretty cool. <laughs> yes, I can totally agree with that. It's it's shitty for nothing. And I mean, like, I do like I like horror movies, I like horror books and stuff like that. You know, like Edgar Allan Poe like is my favorite along with a lot of other people's. <laughs> you know, and um it helps it helps that I have again, I have a creepy grandfather. <laughs> Who, like, he raised me. And so as a kid, a lot of what we did, like, right before bed was he would read me stories. He would read me chapters and chapters out of books. And it could be, I could pick any book. I can pick one of his doctor books and he would have probably read it to me. (laughs) But a lot of what we read, I mean, um, what we did, we did Alice in Wonderland. We did, you know, Into the Looking Glass. We also did all of (laughs) Poe. when I was a, a <laughs> child, you know, we did the Jabberwocky. And as a child, that is terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? And he was, he's really good at the voices and the drama. So he wouldn't just plain read to me. Like, <laughs> he would read to me. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Yeah, like a beautiful dramatization. Yes, every single one. And, uh, I think that kind of like inspired me a little bit to like go out there because all of these people can create these beautiful things that you see in your mind, these plays of your mind. So why not want to be a part of that to also create those pictures and movies and plays for people's minds? Well, and that's a that's that's a good point. Like like content creation is so interesting. So you've you've been um, you've got about eight episodes of your yes, show out eight. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you been doing it weekly? Yes, we've been doing it weekly. <laughs> okay. So you've, you've been about two months, you've been podcasting. Were you, were you doing content creation before that? Yeah. So like some of the stories that are on the show and will be on the show are stories that I've already like come up with or were already partially in development and I've like edited and whatnot. Um, My co-host Sean um, has also has a long backlog of stories and stuff. So we've been kind of pulling from both of our stories. Your repertoires, yeah. Yeah. So, and we're both, we're both different style of writers too, on top of that, which makes it interesting and fun to kind of like play off of. He's a extreme horror <laughs> writer oh, okay. and, I, and I'm a subtle, build you in, wrap you in a small cocoon and take that all away. <laughs> writer. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Cause I was going to say like one thing that's really cool about content creation that was for me a bit of a byproduct was realizing that you're contributing to something bigger than yourself. Exactly. And the purpose, like, even if, even if I didn't get really good feedback, which I do, Mm -hmm. um, but even if I didn't, just the, the feeling of belonging, the feeling of being part of, part of something that's bigger than us is, is incredible. Have you like, can can you talk a little bit about your experience with that? Um, Absolutely. So just like, so Facebook is a, a happy place and a curse, right? Because a lot of things happen on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But one of the good things is that I joined a lot of when I, especially when I started putting my writing out there a lot more, I um, started joining groups and stuff of writers that like either wanted to share their work, wanted editing, wanted tips on things, learn more about grammar because everybody needs to know more about grammar. <laughs> and one of those groups is like a book club group where we read a book a month, but we also try to write themes around that book and we write our own short stories. Okay. And okay. it's, it was so scary at first to put my writing out there like that. And I was so nervous about it. But 
it's a happy result because there's so many people in that group that are like, this is amazing and encouraging you to keep going and helping you with stories like, hey, this part doesn't work, but I, you know, let me let me help you brainstorm some things that might work for this section. And um, you weren't getting just the criticism. You were getting the good with decent criticism because there's like bad criticism, criticism yeah. and there's good. Um, it it sounds like community. Yeah, and I I love that. I love finally finding that community of writers that um, kind of uplifted me, made me want to create more. And um, actually, one of the writers in there invited me to uh, write a short story for a book for like a horror anthology that he did. And we all surrounded it with quarantine stories because it was coronavirus. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm, Got you didn't necessarily have to be about Corona, but it could be the theme was that type of quarantine world. And so that, that was like my first like book publication was I got to be in that and the excitement that I, and the happiness, it was just like, I need to do this more. I need to find more avenues for this because obviously people like what I, what I do. <laughs> so I need to get them more what I like. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. And and like I said, like or like you said, it's very um validating. Yes. You know, it's it's like, oh shit, I'm actually a part of something. And and like I think one of the things that a lot of creatives go through is, you know, whether it's writing or um, physical arts or whatever, is the narrative, strangely enough, is that it's never gonna be successful and it's never worth your time. Exactly. And, and that's for me, it was a huge process, uh, like a challenging process to get through. Um, I found, like, did you find, I guess is what I'm going to ask, because this is asking questions to you and not just yes. talking about myself. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did you find that that was easier because you have creatives and, and, and supportive mental health minded people in your family and life? Or did you find that that was still challenging for you because society still says that it doesn't really have value? Um, well, that's a difficult one because I feel like it would be like a little bit of both because like, you know, society wants you to just automatically be happy, automatically like the things that life gives you, you should be happy with. And that is that, you know, but having the, the support from like my family and everything, it's like, like you said, it's validating. It makes you want to open yourself more and be more and do more <laughs> like if writing for me I don't know if it would be for like a lot of other people but it's very cathartic mm-hmm. you know and that's why a lot of like especially it's, you know when it, you go to see a therapist nine out of ten they're going to tell you you need to get a journal you need to start journaling once a day or people who are very successful say they wake up every morning and they do 10 minutes of journaling in the day or 10 minutes at night to reflect on their life their day all of those things it's because it's cathartic it's a way to like get it out and without having to sometimes feel like you're being judged by somebody else if you don't want to tell somebody else about it. Mm-hmm. Or it's yeah. okay. I mean, I find another thing that's really helpful for me in journaling is that like, I try really hard to be nonpartisan as often as I can and as mindful as I can. Right. But journaling allows me to be guilt-free biased as hell. <laughs> and <laughs> so I can be like, you know, like I, I can know in my heart of hearts that, you know, so-and-so isn't a piece of shit who's trying to hurt me. But in my journal, I'll be damned if that's not what they are, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then and then I can get through it and move on. You know, because sometimes like, you know, like I, a lot of people are like, I'm, I'm, I'm just honest. And it's like, well, there's, you can be honest and be kind at the same time. Yeah. And, (laughs) 
you know, but sometimes, sometimes you just want to say what you're feeling, even if you know that it's wrong and you can do that risk-free by putting it in exactly. a journal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what's really interesting about what you were saying about finding writing um, in a creative sense cathartic is I'm actually reading this book. I'm going to try and remember what it's called. I think it's called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. Okay. Um <clears throat> very impressed with myself. Um, and it talks a lot about the stress cycle and how there are multiple ways to um, quote unquote end the stress cycle separate from the stressor. So the stressor can be like, you know, um, you're fighting with your partner, right? Okay. And then you resolve it with your partner and the stressor has disappeared, but the stress is still there. Your body is still stressed. And there's a handful of ways that you can um, work through that stress cycle. So like basically signal to your body that you're now safe and okay. One of them is exercise. And that's probably the best one, um, especially like like uh, boxing and like punching. Yeah, it gets those endorphins going, you know. <laughs> well, and it also tells your body that, hey, that stressor's over now. And then there's um, uh, certain types of affection and stuff. But my point, skipping all of that, is that one of them is creativity. Because basically you rarely have cause to engage creativity when you're in danger. So if you're engaging your creativity, you are very likely safe. Right. Right. So I just thought that that was really interesting because that might play into why creativity helps you to unwind and relax. Probably. It probably helps release my own personal endorphins and my serotonin and it gets me flowing. So, you know, but small biology words, but, <laughs> but those, those are those important things. Like once your serotonin is flowing and you're getting that like uplifting feeling, of course, you're going to start feeling happy. And like anything that gives you that, you know, metabolic release is, you know, going to provide you a little bit of happiness, a little bit of relief in your life. <laughs> yeah. And so I just think that that's really, it's really cool to me how this psychology stuff plays so deeply into the, you know, the psych psychopharmacology. Yes. Fucking called? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and physiology, right? Yes. Like our nervous system, like we literally switch to the sympathetic nervous system for fight or flight and we get all tense and stuff. And then something that is technically psychological, like switching to a different mode of our brain mm -hmm. can signal to our physical brain or physical body that it's okay to relax. Exactly. Um, I just think that's the neatest thing. <laughs> Do I know more about it? Absolutely not. But is it fun? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I just, I get nerdy sometimes. It's, so it's fine. Oh, it's fine. We all love um, a good nerd. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And so do you want to talk a little bit more about your experience? Because like, it sounds like to me, like that you have a support system that's different than the average support system because you have, yeah. you know, right in your life, you have access to people who are knowledgeable and educated about these things. Yeah. So like I, like I mentioned, my grandfather, amazing human, uh, he was a cardiologist, uh, retired now, you know, um, in the U.S. I call it the great East Coast migration because you go from New Jersey down to Florida. So he <laughs> migrated down to Florida so he couldn't wear socks. That was the goal. I don't know why. <laughs> That's what makes him happy. No socks. <laughs> but, I, I relate to your grandfather. <laughs> but um, he he had been unlucky in love uh, a few times and not in the sense of finding divorce or anything, but um, he had been widowed twice, oh. um, unfortunately. And um, one of them was my, blood, my biological grandmother, who I never got to meet, but apparently I look a lot alike, which is great. <laughs> and um, one was my mom's stepmom, uh, Tina, who was literally this fiery Sicilian woman. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so unfortunately, they both passed away. But one of my grandpa- grandparents now, because I still, the woman he's married to, Diane, um, I call her my grandmother because that is how I feel. She Fair. is like, blood doesn't mean anything to me. This woman is family beyond family. Fair. And um, so their love story and the way that she likes to put it is that I brought them together. <laughs> oh, can so you share? Yeah. So when when my my grandmother my grandfather was still married to Tina and she was um, she died of cancer so she was going through chemo stuff like that um, they uh, put enrolled me into ballet class which is another passion pit of mine is dance and uh, she was the um, studio owner and dance teacher of mine. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yes. So. Um, no funny business there, anything like that. No, like, you know, a love affair. But the after period of when, you know, she passed, Tina passed away and like I was still going to the dance studio and stuff. And there were a lot of, uh, grandpa couldn't prioritize everything and I would get late pickups. <laughs> Got you. Um, and everyone in the small Jersey town knew that he was the widowed doctor. <laughs> so her mother was like, you need to go and date him. <laughs> Basically. So his, her mom set them up on a date, but he brought me. <laughs> oh my goodness. So she likes to say that I'm the reason why that they are like together. Like their first date was with me. Like they, I went to the same dance studio. If it wasn't for me, she wouldn't have known him, gotten close to him or any of that. And um, she was a ballet dancer and teacher for 30 plus years. Wow. Until finally her body said that is enough, which happens with a lot of dancers, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's her passion. Her passion is helping people, helping children, especially being involved in the LGBTQ plus community. Like those are her huge passions. Mm-hmm. And once she got that kind of taken away from her because of her body limitations, she was like, well, what now? And uh, I don't really not know how it came about, but the what now ended up with her going all the way to getting a master's in psychology. Wow. Never went to school. She basically dropped out of school when she was 13 and like went to ABC in New York by herself and got her GED and that was it. Um, So when I was finishing college, she was just enrolling. So my last like junior, senior year, I got to kind of also spend with my grandmother in college. Oh, that's cool. And literally the phone conversations between us, she would call me late at night, just like almost in tears about statistic class, crying about writing a paper. And I was the one at the time that understood what she was going through. So it was like an amazing bonding experience. Yeah. One for us. And she already loves helping people as it is. And she's just so passionate and she's so good at talking to people and talking them through their life issues and stuff. And like I said, my grandfather raised me. So, you know, we might have some trauma. (laughs) And she was very good about helping me through that trauma without being my therapist because mm-hmm. obviously you can't yeah, be conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> she, I don't know what switch she has in her that she can shut off the client base and turn it on to be Naomi's grandmother and talk her through things, but still maybe pulling a few things that she's learned, but talking to me about those things that she learned, mm-hmm. you know, to help me with my stuff. So like all of my 
terrible breakups. Like she was there. She was getting, you know, 3, 3 a.m. at her time phone calls of me crying, <laughs> trying to figure out life. And her, you know, giving me breathing techniques, us kind of talking about it, asking me if I've written a poem about it lately or journaled or if I've gone back to dance or all of those things. So she's a good driving force and having that's why I always suggest to people, if you're feeling down, go see a therapist. Be, go find a good one, because if you you have your first two meetings with one and it's not a good fit, they won't take offense to it. Find yourself a good therapist if you mm-hmm. need one, because they will push you to be that better self that you really are craving to be, no matter what that better self is to you. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in therapy when it's available as well. Yeah. And I would, I would even add that like, you know, if, if a therapist does by chance, cause you might know someone who, whose therapist got upset that they left, that is an indication that there's an issue going on with the therapist, not that the person exactly. did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to add that, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, and it sounds like she was really good at educating you about how this stuff works and yeah. giving you tangible tools um, to work through different issues. So you mentioned breathing techniques and you mentioned indulging in your creative hobbies. What are some other tools that she gave you that you found to be very effective in in helping manage your wellness? Um, Reminding me that just because someone is family doesn't mean you always have to love them or love them. You can like them, but you don't have to love them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was one of her biggest ones that she like kind of instilled in me. Um, Another one would be just remembering your strengths, remembering what your strengths are. Um, she always was like, would, would try to remind me like, hey, you are an outspoken person. You are a chameleon. You can, you know, mold yourself into any like social background, anything. Use those things. Those are your strengths. Those are what people like about you. And you need to remember those things. So, you know, finding power in myself and reminding to find myself of that kind of power. <laughs> um let me think of what else. Well, for the um, for the one that you were just mentioning, I'm just I'm just trying to think of you know ways that people can use these things for themselves. So if you don't have a wonderful Naomi's grandma in your life um, to remind you of your strengths, something that you can do that I've done previously, and it's feel gonna feel cheesy, it's gonna feel shitty. Do it anyways. Um, write down your strengths. And then if you have the, like, if you remember when things are hard, you can look at it and you don't have to look at it as a way to encourage yourself. Look at it as a list of tools that you can use to move forward. Oh, oh, I have another good one. Okay. So, okay. So, um, oh, I started kind of like not heavily or anything like doing like witchcrafty kind of stuff. And there's a lot of broad ways of like doing those things. Mm -hmm. And the tools that I pulled from that craft, because I'm not a traditional witch, I don't really follow anything like that. So are the aspects of letting things go. Yeah. And, and whatnot and writing down your goals and accomplishments and all of those things. So especially following like what I would do, like I would follow the moon cycle, right? Mm -hmm. So specifically full moon, new moon, those are the times that I am planning to do new things. I am letting certain things go. And I would even like have my friends and like my boyfriend join in and we would do like a fire pit. We'd write all of our things down of the thing, especially like things that you want to let go, things that Mm -hmm. you are doing that are harming you that you don't want to go along with. We'd write them down and throw them in the fire pit. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) That, That is like, the number one thing that I love doing and it helps um, doing things like, you know, 
loved Clark Crystals. Girls love shiny things. <laughs> but all of all of those tools, they mean something, even if it's like silly to think that a rock is going to give you money and energy. <laughs> but I like my work at my desk at work. I've lined my desk with all my all my rocks to give me my like nist for the day. To give me like I'm going to get that promotion when I want to get that promotion. To give me the strength and energy to keep going for my day. So putting my energy into something and basically having it bounce back onto me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and and like that's really beautiful to me. And I will say that I think it's really interesting about the idea of whether it's mysticism, ma- magic, witchcraft, any of those things. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to me is that I think that even um, like I don't talk much about my own personal beliefs and stuff on yeah. the show, but but regardless, I think that if you zoom out a little bit a lot of that stuff is a lot less mystical than we think right having a visual reminder like regardless if i mean i actually truly believe that crystals do have the ability to um hold and harness energy like we can look at quartz crystal is used in watches to focus energy like like we know they have those physical properties but even if it were not something that does have physical properties like that like a toy having a visual reminder of a concept is is a known way to <laughs> to bring things into your <clears throat> life because we look at filters and the filters that we look at the world through well those are based on like those are based on very complicated things that I don't fully understand yeah. but what I do know is like frequency illusion exists and that is the you know you buy a red car and suddenly see red cars everywhere yes. right so we do know ways to to sort of tweak those filters and so, like, I look at concepts like manifestation, which is kind of the the larger concept that you're talking about, putting these crystals to to perform certain, um, to, to bring certain things into your life. Exactly. Well, if you're constantly seeing and thinking about those things being in your life, you're way more in tune with opportunities as they arise. Yeah. So even the mystical side of it aside, that's a, that's a very powerful and simple tool to use. Yeah. I, anybody can use it. You, you know, you can, you don't, you don't need to be a witch. You don't need to be a warlock. (laughs) You need to be any of those things to use those tools to like help yourself. Like I did, (laughs) I did a night where I uh, did this, like a negativity cleanse. So like, say, say you're having a bad month. Everything is going wrong. Yeah. And you don't know why your friends are mad at you. Your parents are mad at you whatever your spouses, all the things. Um, and so what I did uh, <laughs> is I cracked an egg into like a cup of water, mm-hmm. right? And But what you do before that is you rub it on your body and you think about all the negativity and mm-hmm. you, um, you uh, think about all your negativity, put it in the egg and push it in there, correct? Yeah. And then you let it sit, you crack it, and then you like see how it forms. And there's it's more that you can read into it and whatnot, but there's different things that you would see, quote unquote, in the mm-hmm. egg. And um, those would be all the negative things that are inflecting in your life. Yeah. And so um, for me, that was like super kind of cathartic to like do that, to like get rid of the negativity or see any incoming negativity and understand it towards me. <laughs> and, and the best act is you flush it away after. <laughs> You literally like push it all out of your life. You're like, okay. And the next day you wake up and you're like, nothing's bothering me anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that's so beautiful. Like I really do the, the ritual of it and the symbolism and, and just taking acts, doing acts that, that solidify things for you. 
Um, but anyways, before we move on to our super, super fun game, Yay! I was hoping that you could tell me where people can find you and tell us a little bit more about your podcast. Okay, sure. Um, so our podcast is called The Morbid Forest. And we have a lovely Ranger Harper who takes you down very dark and dangerous pathways through our haunted forest. So we don't want you to go down the wrong path. And um, yeah, it's all horror anthology. So every story is a little bit different. All short stories, anywhere between 15 to 30 minutes long, um, getting longer every day. <laughs> um, and you can you can follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm just jerseynay3 on Instagram. Uh, you can follow the podcast at The Morbid Forest on Instagram. Um, I like always tell people to send us love Love notes through Gmail, <laughs> uh, which is themorbidforest at gmail.com. And Perfect. we just started a Patreon. I haven't done like anything with it. I literally just did it the other night. I'm like, now what? <laughs> you don't know what to do. <laughs> but we do have a Patreon and it's just Patreon slash the Morbid Forest. Um, uh, at some point, I will put bonus content and stuff out there for people who do decide that they want to support us. <laughs> so, yeah. That's fantastic. And I definitely recommend that everybody go check it out, especially some upcoming episodes for no reason at all. I'm not going to tell you why. No, and... no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I highly recommend that you check it out. And uh, so, yeah, before we say goodbye, are you into playing a game, Naomi? Let's do it. <laughs> right. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> um, okay. So we are going to be guessing 1930s slang. This is from... Uh, grammar.yourdictionary.com so don't blame me if it's wrong so um, we're going to start with what is a canary a canary so uh, maybe I wonder if you would use it the same term as like a stool pigeon so either like someone that keeps secrets or like spills them to people oh no I've never heard that <laughs> term before but it's uh... okay. like a gangster term like that stool pigeon like <laughs> I've never heard that, but I'm like the least gangster <laughs> person on the planet. Uh, it means a female singer. Oh, I should. I mean, I, as a comic book nerd, I am now disappointed in myself. <laughs> I should have thought of that. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I honestly, like, I, I, I would never get almost any of the ones that I do. I'm so glad that I'm the one who asked the questions. <laughs> um, what is dog soup? Dog soup. Uh, is it like a slobbery bowl of something? <laughs> it's a glass of water because it's uh, used for for gosh, Kara. It's used to refer to people who can't afford to drink anything else. Oh, that's so. good. I'm gonna use that. Nice. I'm gonna use that next time. Oh my god, dog soup. Why are you drinking Want that me dog, a glass soup? Like dog soup? Oh my god, I'm totally gonna use that. Yes. <laughs> um. Ooh. Okay. What's a dick? <laughs> <laughs> well, anatomical or otherwise? <laughs> In um, 1930s. I would think, okay, if he's a dick, then like maybe either like a debonair type of guy or like a suave type of individual. Well, I would say that he is those things, but it's because he's a detective. <gasps> Damn it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to do two more. This one I'm okay. surprisingly excited about. What's a Chicago typewriter? Chica a Chicago typewriter? Um, <laughs> I have a weird accent. It's all over the place. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> I think I like to do weird accents, okay? Um, Chicago typewriter. Um, 
I'm trying to think of like the time. Is it like an express press or something or someone that writes really quickly? It's a Thompson machine gun. Why is that a typewriter? I don't know. I didn't write it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally going to end this and I'm going to go Google that later. (laughs) Okay. I didn't make it up. It's here. Oh, you know what? doesn't matter. You can, you can look it up. People can look it up. It's all good. Yeah. We'll find out together, guys. (laughs) All right. Last one. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was going to do this one. It's so silly. Um, Okay. Let's say a cement mixer. A cement mixer. Again, I just like, I always think of food because I'm like, is it just like gruelly type of food? (laughs) Or you can think of it as like a voluptuous woman. (laughs) It's it's actually, I think, closer to the second one, but not quite. It's, it's, It's kind of the same idea. It's a bad dancer. But I think it's the same kind of idea where what? if you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it comes from there that same sort of thinking. Yeah. I, and the one that well, I Oh, like clunky. Th- like, oh, like they're clunky. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That, all right. Fine. Fine. We accept that one. <laughs> um, see, the one that made me laugh is it's sweet patootie. And then I was like, I can't just like seriously say that. Oh, yeah. Like, like a cutie pie. Like your sweet patootie. Like your boot, like your bottom like half. Looking, like, yeah. Like a good yay. looking woman with a nice uh-huh. house. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually use that one. <laughs> He's looking at you, sweet patootie. Um, there it is. <laughs> okay, well, this has been obviously so much fun. It's uh, 90% laughs, so I think it's been a lot of fun for you, too. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us laugh. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to say before I say goodbye to the audience? Uh, no, go out there and do what makes you happy. Do what makes your soul free. <laughs> All right, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me, Naomi. And to my audience, I love you. Bye. Thank you.